Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. So my topic today is on Sabbath rest. And uh, because this is one of those topics that can be uh, taken out of context, I thought of having a conversation with you this morning. Instead of preaching the way I would normally preach, uh, with a lot of uh, passion and gusto, I can't just uh, kill the fire that's in me. But this morning, I want to talk to you as a father. You know, the same way a father will speak to their children and say, you know what, we live in Johannesburg, and this city is, has the spirit of mammon that we need to be aware of. If we don't go and swim across the stream or swim upstream, we'll end up going downstream with what's happening in the city. So I want to put a slide up here that might be confusing for some people, but I hope while I read the story behind the slide, it will make sense. So this is a calendar in the Soviet Union in the year 1929. So about a hundred years ago, the Soviet Union had about four countries, Russia, Ukraine, and a few other countries that were part of the Soviet Union. And they decided they will do an experiment and get rid of the weekends. And this is what they did. It's a failed Soviet experiment that I believe offers a warning to today's burnout generation. They got rid of weekends. And this is what they did. I'm going to read for you what happened with this experiment. For the urban workforce of the Soviet Union, September 29th, 1929, this was a Sunday like any other, a day of rest after six days of labor. Sunday was the price at the finish line. A day's holiday where people might see family and attend church and clean their homes just to, to relax. But in the eyes of the Soviet government, led by Joseph Stalin, Sundays represented a genuine threat to the whir and hum of industrial progress. For one day in seven, just felt like no. After all, machines sat silent. We need to improve our productivity. So this is what they did. From the following Sunday, no such collective pause for breath took place. 80% of the workforce were told to go to work and 20% to stay home. The ordinary seven-day week now had a new bed flow, which is called, I'm going to try and butcher this word, Nipreverke. I just hear verk there, you know. Nipreverke. <laughs> or continuous working week, continuous working week. It was five days long with, uh, with days of rest staggered across the week. Now, the Soviet economists and politicians proposed that machines will never have to stop. They will continue to run. The Nipperwerker was supposed to revolutionize the concept of labor, set a match to productivity, and make religious worship too troublesome. Basically, people don't need to worship anymore. But it failed on a virtual every count. Adjustments were made in 1931, two years later. The cycle was extended to last six days. After 11 years of trial, 
it failed dismally. Now, if you continue to read the article, you can go and search, just like a failed Soviet Union experiment. Basically, what was happening, if you follow that calendar, if you were to go closer, you'll realize that they gave people a color and they gave you some form of a symbol to say, this is the day that you're going to be working. You are told this is the day you'll be working and this is the day that you'll be taking rest. So there were times when the entire family, they are not at home together. One is resting, the others are working, the others are at school. So you're basically killing the entire family structure. You're killing the society by people being together and fellowshipping together or spending time together. This were the words of one of the workers. What is there for us to do at home if our wives, our families and are in the factory? Our children are at school and nobody can visit. So this is what I want to submit to you this morning before we go to the word. When we take the place of God in our lives, the end result is disaster. When we take the place of God in our lives, the end result is disaster. We have enough examples in history, and I believe that's one of the reasons we have such a high issue of mental health illness. Sabbath in the Hebrew, it's meant to rest or to stop. The word Shavat, it means to stop to pause, to rest. We draw the principle without being too religious about it. And as I speak about the Sabbath rest, I want to just submit these words by Pete Gazzaro, who was a pastor in New York, who went through burnout and went and studied the Sabbath. And out of his study, he explained the Sabbath to be a 24-hour block of time in which we stop work, enjoy rest, practice delight, and contemplate God. We're going to unpack some of those. So when we speak about Sabbath, I like the fact that Dr. Yvette last week helped us so well to understand the principle of Jubilee from the book of Leviticus. And I liked what she said when she said, feasts were there to help us to become an antidote to forgetfulness because we forget. And you will see how the feast of Sabbath is also there to help us not to forget who is in charge. We think we are in charge, but actually it's what I call the illusion of control. We think we are in control, but we are not. Leviticus 23, verse 1 to 3. The Bible says, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, These are the appointed feasts of the Lord that you shall proclaim as holy convocations. They are my appointed feasts. feasts. Six days shall work be done, but on the seventh day it is a Sabbath of solemn rest, a holy convocation. You shall do no work. It is a Sabbath to the Lord in all your dwelling places. Sabbath is solemn rest. It's a holy convocation. And this is a command. You shall do no work. It is a Sabbath unto the Lord. I like these words when it says, it is a Sabbath unto the Lord. It is a Sabbath where we consecrate ourselves. It is a Sabbath where we stop from all the things that we do and we focus on God. It is a Sabbath unto God. 
So from these words that I've highlighted, I see the word holy convocation, I see the words solemn rest, and I see the words do not work. And I want us to unpack that. Why is the Bible saying a Sabbath is a holy convocation? A holy convocation is an assembly, a sacred assembly, like we're sitting here, like we're gathering. It is my prayer that from now on we will start seeing Sunday differently. And I will explain why we moved from Sabbath being a Saturday. It is still a Saturday, technically speaking, when you look at the Hebrew calendar. But why do we worship on Sunday? I'll explain that. But I want to drive this point home that the Bible says six days you may work, but the seventh day is a day of Sabbath rest, a sacred assembly, a holy convocation, meaning that we come together to worship God because the Sabbath is dedicated unto God. Sabbath is a day of rest, a day of worship to enjoy the Lord, His creation, and what He has given us. Jesus, while He was still living here on earth, what did He do? The Bible says, as was His custom, Jesus went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and He stood up to read the Word. So let's uh, have a conversation for a little bit. The question is, if Sunday is the first day of the week, and you will see when you read Genesis just now. And then Saturday is the actual seventh day when God rested. Why then are we worshiping on a Sunday? Why then have we chosen to worship and to rest on a Sunday? Let me explain it to you this way. So what happened was the early church after Jesus Christ had been on earth, and Jesus explained that Sabbath was made for men, not, uh, Sabbath was made for men to enjoy, not men for the Sabbath. Jesus was simply saying that it's not so much about the Saturday, it is about the principle of the Sabbath that you take the day to rest. And then because Jesus was resurrected on a Sunday, on the first day of the week, they started calling it the day of the Lord. And the early church, because they were not part of fellowshipping in the synagogues, they started fellowshipping on a Sunday. And that is why today, Resurrection Sunday, it is the day that we worship. We call it the day of the Lord. So the early church basically moved the Sabbath or the day of worship from Saturday to a Sunday and calling it the day of the Lord. If you want to go and read some more about that, you can find now that there's so much that you can read on the internet, you can be able to understand that there was a progression in the first century just after Jesus died to move from the Sabbath to Sunday, a day of worship. I also want to explain that um, most of the churches now, it doesn't matter which day you worship, what is important is that you Sabbath, you take a day of rest, and you worship God. That's the important thing. That's the principle of Sabbath. I must also say that some countries, in order to recognize the different religious groups that they have, they actually have a three-day weekend. And I know that some of you are like, is South Africa going to get there, you know? You're like, when are we going to get there, you know? Um, so some countries, they do it for different reasons. Some countries, they recognize that they've got uh, Islam, a religion that worships on a, on a Friday. They've got Jewish people that worship on a Saturday, and they've got Christians that worship on a Sunday. 
But then you have a whole group of other countries that have decided that because rest is so important, we're going to get our people to work for four days and we want them to rest for three days. Isn't that amazing? I think they've got a new revelation about this whole Sabbath thing. But I want to emphasize that the reason we worship on Sunday is because of resurrection. Every Sunday is Resurrection Sunday. Every Sunday we proclaim that whatever happened during the week, whatever death, whatever things that happened, Sunday we come and say, God, resurrect what died during the week. Resurrect what didn't go well during the week. We trust that we're going to go into this new week with our Lord. That's why we worship on Sunday. I want to go quickly to solemn rest as it is key to what we are talking about today. Solemn rest is something that is very serious to God. It is a sacred rest. I like to ask people, if God, the creator of the world, rested, who are we to think that we can go through life without resting? Let's read it here. Genesis chapter 2, verse 1 to 3. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished his work, the work that he'd been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating what he had done. Now I want to challenge your thinking for a little bit. I don't know if it has occurred to you that Adam was created on the sixth day. So if Adam was created on the sixth day, his first proper day was a day off, was a day of rest. On the seventh day, he wakes up and he's thinking, God, we're going to go to work. God says, no, we chill. We rest. And, and then we work. So I want to change our thinking what we think and we believe what the world says is you work, you work, you graft, you graft, you graft, and then you rest. In God's economy, you rest and then you go to work. We work from a place of rest. We work from a place of rest. The reason why we are all so tired, it is because we are working and working and working. And when we get to that place where we can't do it anymore, we go on holiday. That's the world system. That's the world system. What God created, God blessed the seventh day and he made it holy because on it he rested. Adam wakes up and God says, son, we're going to chill today. We're going to walk around in the garden and have fun and enjoy the creation. We work from a place of rest. So there's something I'm contending for because the spirit of Joburg is uh, you graft, you graft, you graft. Until you can't take it anymore, then you go to rest. And here's another one. Jesus rested. The Bible says Jesus often withdrew to quiet places. In Luke 5, it says, Yet the news about him spread all the more so that the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed with their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and he prayed. You know what I like about the scripture? Jesus is becoming more and more famous. More and more people are following Jesus. And Jesus realizing that he's becoming more and more famous, he saw the importance of retreating. The more busy Jesus was, the more he retreated. Okay, let's use today's language. The more Jesus was trending, the more he retreated. 
the more Jesus was busy, we read it right there, more and more people came to him to hear him, but he withdrew often, often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Gordon MacDonald puts it this way, Jesus knew his limits well. Remember, he was 100% God, 100% man, human being. Jesus knew his limits well. Strange as it may seem, he knew that we, are, we conveniently forget time must be properly budgeted for one's weaknesses when spiritual warfare begins. There will be spiritual warfare. So if you haven't been in the practice of Sabbath rest, when spiritual warfare comes, you don't have the energy to go through the storms. God says you don't wait for a holiday. I like how my wife puts it. She says we need to Sabbath daily, Sabbath weekly, and Sabbath quarterly. Sabbath daily is every day when you get home, you switch off the phone. Let me just explain. Your phone has got a button. You can click this button, and then you can switch it off completely. Some people need to discover those, that button. Some people think that men think the world will not run. You know? No, the world will continue. When you switch it on, it, the world will still be there. Can I remind you there was a time that we didn't have cell phones? Can I remind you that we were able to live without these gadgets here? So when we talk about Sabbath daily, is switching off from this man here. I'm preaching to myself now. <laughs> and I'm going to be practical just now. The third thing is um, solemn rest, which we've been speaking about. Jesus is helping us to understand that the Sabbath was made for men and not men for the Sabbath. Because some people think that, you know, there's certain uh, religious groups that they hold the Sabbath religiously because it's a 24-hour thing from 6 o'clock uh, uh, Friday to 6 o'clock on Saturday. And then they hold to it, which is good because studies have also shown that people who take their Sabbath religiously, they actually live longer. They actually are more at peace. Now, the principle we draw here is Jesus on one Sabbath was going through the grain fields and his disciples walked along and began to pick up some heads of grains. The Pharisees said to them, look, why are they doing this which is unlawful on the Sabbath? Now, Jesus explains that David on the Sabbath, he also ate bread and, you know, that, he was, that was consecrated bread. And then he says, we must understand that the Sabbath is made for men, not the other way around. So we should not think that now we should leave the Sabbath as a religious act of control where you're controlled by the Sabbath. You can choose it any day of the week to become your Sabbath. That is why we have a Sunday as a Sabbath. Now, you are, you're asked, you say, pastors, you work on Sunday. That is why we take our Sabbath on Monday. So if you try to call me on Monday, my phone will be off. So don't even try to call me. <laughs> Colossians explains this, and I'm just going to skip through this quickly, that the Sabbath and the festivals, these are a shadow of things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. It is about Christ. It is about Jesus. If we are not holding, verse 19, fast to the head, which is Christ, from whom the whole body nourished and knit together. Knit together is community. 
the whole body, nourished and knit together through all its joints and ligaments, grows with its growth that is from God. So when we understand the concept of Sabbath, that it doesn't matter which day it is, as Jesus says, do not let anyone disqualify you for which day you Sabbath. But he says that the important thing is the head. The important thing is that you're connected to Jesus on that day. So when we say Sunday is our day of Sabbath, of worship unto the Lord, we should be connected to the head. And what I love about this is when we are connected to the head, we get nourishment. When we are connected to the body, when we are knit together, we get nourishment and we will grow with God's growth. There's a health that comes because healing happens in community. There's a health that comes when we Sabbath together. Remember when we started with the Soviets? They stopped Sabbathing together, and then the family structure was destroyed. Communities were destroyed. They had to go back to what God had instituted, that we can Sabbath together. I really wanted to rush to get to this part. Do not work. It's a command. When we read Exodus 20, the Ten Commandments, remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. It's amazing how many times it's repeated. Six days you shall labor, do all your work, but the seven days is Sabbath to the Lord your God, and on it you shall do no work. You or your son or your daughter, your male servants, verse 11. For in six days the Lord had made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. The context of this is Mount Sinai. The, the Israelites are coming out of Egypt. They are going to the promised land. And when they arrived at Mount Sinai, God gives them the Ten Commandments. And God says, you must not work on a Sabbath day. I like what uh, Dr. Yvette said. It's like when you arrive there uh, towards the promised land, you'll think that God will give them a battle strategy for annihilating the nations that were there. But God says, what is important is to Sabbath. What is important is to know this feast, is to know these principles that are going to keep you to be different from the people of the land. Forty years later, there's a new generation that's about to enter the promised land. They were not at Mount Sinai. Look at this. In Deuteronomy, they are repeated. The, the, the Ten Commandments are repeated, but there's a caveat here. There's a difference. There's a change here. When we read the Ten Commandments in Exodus, God says, these are the Ten Commandments. Keep the Sabbath holy. But when he gets to Deuteronomy, when the new generation comes, he says, you shall not do any work. He gives exactly word for word what is in Exodus 20. But when you read verse 15, he says, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Why is God introducing slavery in Egypt when he speaks about Sabbath? It is because it's the only commandment that we don't keep, we go back into slavery. It is the only commandment we don't keep. We go back into slavery. It means that a Sabbath is resistance. We are resisting the world's way of keeping us as slaves. So if we don't Sabbath, if we don't learn to switch off the phone, if we don't learn to pause, if we don't learn to say, no, 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 enough is enough, we are simply saying we are okay with the slavery of this world. We are okay to be treated as slaves. When we Sabbath, there's another profound thing about Sabbath. 
is because we understand that Sabbath is trust that God will take care of us when we rest. So ultimately, rest is trust. I've had to wrestle with this. I'll tell you a story. Many years ago, working as a pastor and working for a company in Porter's Room, what the day that was meant to be my Sabbath, which was a Monday, I would drive all the way to Porter's Room and work with this company. They were doing work with the mines and with the municipality. Basically, I felt like I was living like those guys in Soviet Union. I didn't have any day to rest. As you know, weekends can be so busy as well. I got to a point where I was not sleeping well. I got to a point where the family was affected. And then I realized that I'm actually violating this very principle that God has given us, that when we stop, he will take care of us. And then I resigned from that company. And I said, okay, sorry, I can't do this anymore. I can become a non-executive director, but I can't be an executive director anymore. I can't do this anymore. It was in that very month that God provided that we were able to get a salary increase in the church. And my salary increase was exactly the amount that I used to get as a retainer from that company. Reminding us that God will care for us when we choose to follow now, there's a book that has helped me in this regard. I'll recommend it to you. Dr. Sandra Walton-Smith. She's a medical doctor. You can search her. She's done a TED Talk that helps us understand what I call, she calls it the sacred rest. Seven types of rest. This is now becoming more practical to help us, to help us to enter God's Sabbath rest. She speaks about physical rest. So, I know for some people you'll say, yeah, Pastor Sai, we're so happy you're putting massage therapy as physical rest. Yes, yes, it's allowed. It's important to rest. That's active therapy. And then there's non-active therapy, that is sleep. The same lady with a few others, they're working on what they call a sleep revolution. I'm signing up for that. <laughs> a sleep revolution. Because as you sleep better, your productivity gets better. The world we're living in is like work, work, work. Some billionaires that we know, they're talking about an 80 hours work week. Not 40 hours, 80 hours. And some of those people we know the state of their families. So you choose. Are you going to trust God? Knowing that rest is resistance, rest is trust. Spiritual rest, relationship with God, the word, prayer, worship, listening, meditation. Mental rest, get your brain to rest. Emotional rest, unmask. Jesus had time with the crowds, the 12 and the 3. Jesus had time with the crowds, the 12 and the 3. Social rest, I like this one. Being around people who refresh you. There are certain people that you, when you're around them, you know, it's almost like always sapping energy. So if you want social rest, be careful who you're hanging around with. I said it. It's out there. Sensory rest. Now, sensory rest was a new one to me. We live in a sensory overloaded world. Not only our schedules are overloaded, but even when you're supposed to be resting, you think that you are resting when you are binge watching that series that you've been watching. No, no, no. You are engaged. You're not resting. Your mind is engaging. We need times of silence and no screen time. 
creative rest, get revived through beauty, nature, water, and trees. Now, emotional rest is important to me because uh, if you go to this website, I'll put it there for you, they've got a free questionnaire that you can do to see which of this uh, you need to improve on. And uh, I was surprised that emotional rest was the one that I need to improve on. And when, they, when I read about it, it actually helps with even with the questions that they ask is, when you're struggling to sleep, it's actually because you are not resting emotionally. What happens is some of the conversations you had during the day, especially the tough conversations, they are playing up in your mind in the middle of the night. Now you need to find ways to bring those to God before you go to bed and say, God, I leave it with you. I'm going to rest now. I'm going to tell you about a man that I asked the wife if I can share the story. A couple of years ago, is a man who's got a family with three children. He was diagnosed with cancer. I went to visit him, and I was sitting with him, and he had lost so much weight. He said these words that I'll never forget. He said, Pastor Sai, I worked myself to the bone. I should have listened. I should have listened to what God instructs. I should have listened to my wife saying, you are killing yourself. Said to say, he passed away. Left his wife with his three children that she now has to raise. Why am, t- why am I telling you that story? Again, when we take the place of God, when we take the place of God, it ends up in disaster. May we go back to what God has instituted. Let us stand to pray. I want to give you a a very easy homework. Today when you get home, to properly Sabbath and be with your family or with your friends, can you try and switch off your phone? Put it away completely. Switch it off and put it away completely. Family and friendships are affected by this. If you can see clearly in those photos, it's become the norm that we're sitting on the meal table, someone is working on the computer. You're with your friends, you're all on your cell phones. We are not engaging the way God wants us to engage. I want to bring it closer to home because I know that many marriages are affected by this. You don't have to raise your hands. This is homework, do it at home. Are you couple number one? Linda and I have been reflecting on that. I, because I'm studying masters, I've been bringing the computer to the bedroom. She kicked me out. <laughs> Go to the study with that computer. The computer is not allowed in the bedroom. We were there. Are you couple number two? I ask you not to raise your hand. You can take it home and sort it out at home. Lastly, are you couple number three? We won't say what the guy was thinking about. As I study the scriptures, 
I know we didn't get into the depth of even how the Jewish people do the Sabbath. If you go to study how they do the Sabbath, Friday evening, they stop everything. They don't answer cell phones. They don't answer even the landline. A friend of mine told me that they're not even allowed to cut the toilet paper. How they do it, I don't know. <laughs> they're not allowed to work. I'm told that they're not allowed to even press the lift to go up or down. So if you live 11th floor, I don't know. You've got to go work. You get in your steps. So I'm saying that to say that Sabbath principle, we draw the principle, we need to rest, but we cannot be controlled by the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for men, not men for the Sabbath. It was made for men. It was made for us to switch off the phone, to switch off from everything. Today I felt like, as I pray for us, that we will be set free from this. I have discovered how to switch it off completely. Let's bow our heads. Father, I pray that we will not fall under the spirit of this world, thinking that, God, we will be okay when we are constantly connected. Lord, I know that there are people who are here today listening and feeling convicted, whether because they're not sleeping well at night or the stresses, Father, that are affecting them. Daddy, I pray that today will be a day of freedom. The same way that Jubilee was a day of freedom, the Sabbath for us is a day of freedom. Every Sunday when we gather, we gather to say Resurrection Sunday. Jesus was raised on the dead. He was victorious over the things that keep us down. Today is our freedom day. We say we are set free from the bondage of sin and death. And Lord, I pray, Father, that God, all the people that are here and worried, how am I going to provide? How am I going to look after my family when I rest? I pray that you'll prove yourself faithful. We Prove yourself faithful, Father. Yes, some of us, we may be stretched financially. I pray, Lord, prove yourself faithful, Lord God, and provide for us as we stop and rest. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.